0: Well, hey there, Todd. How are you today?
1: I'm well, Mr. Heppel. How are you doing?
0: Pretty good, thanks. Good. Hey, we've um, we're getting we're catching up to the present time pretty quick. But uh, we had a nice, uh, always listening, love listening to your stories. You're talking about Mr. Turner and your um, your fondness for him, and it was mutual, uh, I'm sure. Now after after your time at uh at turner's there in in georgia what uh where where do we go next
1: well during the time that i was at turner's um the opportunity came to get involved with the funeral home uh which was about four hours south of atlanta and unfortunately as with many life experiences that episode was not particularly fruitful, Um, but you know, it's the way life goes. And in the middle of that, uh, the uh, opportunity came up to manage three funeral homes and three cemeteries in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, And I had been going to Memphis for years, right? Because the ICCFA university until just last year, was always uh, had their kind of home base at the Vogelman Executive Center on the campus of the University of Memphis. So I was, I was somewhat well familiar with the uh, city. And for uh, I, I liked Memphis. I found it to be a fascinating city. And, um, and so, but the issue with the funeral home that um, many of your listeners may remember was the funeral home had been, this funeral home was under state receivership. Uh, The former owner was a man named Clayton Smart and he was uh, from Oklahoma, but he uh, purchased this and uh, Forest Hill, I, I have to say was one of the most interesting funeral operations that I've ever been involved with because in the mid 70s from 1970 75 there was a, a fellow by the, that his name was doc they called him doc Murray and he came up with this pre-need uh, plan called the Westminster policy where he would guarantee a complete funeral with a metal casket and you know, the ancillary services for, you know, in 1970 uh, for $795. And the public responded very, very positively to that. Um, And there was a healthy trust fund that was the depository of all of these Westminster funds. Uh, and for Hill, you know, they had three locations, one down by the airport and one one in a somewhat distressed area of Memphis on Elvis Presley Boulevard. And then the main branch was out on Whitten Road, and it was an impressive building. And, and in this, Stonemore, uh, the uh, acquisition company from Philadelphia, who... The principles of that company, I had actually worked with at Lowen. Uh, and when Lowen went down, these gentlemen uh, successfully put together a new company. Uh, and they bought Stone, they Stone Moore bought um, Forest Hill. And uh, Forest Hill was a labor of love because it was the... Um, the reputation of Forest Hill after it came out in the media, um, and I think it's a story worth telling, uh, because when for when uh, Clayton Smart uh, purchased the assets of the company, um, he he his behavior uh, was less than uh, I think uh, fiscally prudent, and he all of a sudden he goes on tv in memphis and makes the announcement and you just can imagine how well this went over made the announcement that if you had purchased a westminster burial policy that you all you had to do was add several thousand dollars to that policy and forest Hill would be happy to do the funeral and he did it on tv right so the whole community saw it and then the Tennessee State Board of course found out about it and then the uh, descent the slippery slope that he was on uh, started to uh, you know he started to slide down it and he ended up uh, spending uh, several years in the penitentiary and during this time uh, Forest uh, Hill is purchased uh, by Stonemore so you know we had we were we received bomb threats at that company uh, because the community was so enraged. Uh, They were, they were furious. Um, And, you know, rightfully so, right. Because they call it trust fund for a reason. Um, And so the, 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 the upside of this was, was that it, it, Forest Hill required every, and I don't know how successful. I wouldn't say I was abundantly successful at that, right? But it it changed every seminar I do, having been manager of that company for several years. Um, but at that point, there were some tremendously fine people that were associated with Forest Hill. And, and I think that needs to be emphasized and credit where credit is due, that there were people, uh, competent, highly competent funeral directors that literally stayed with the ship. They didn't abandon it. Um, and they were uh, extremely effective, I thought up against a very rigorous uh, PR situation, and also trying to serve people that didn't trust the firm, right? So, so we had some very negative publicity. Um, they would, uh, the media was on, uh, you know, on the firm, and every so often, there'd be a a dust up on the media on uh, the anniversary of when uh, the Clayton Smart uh, deal was exposed and all of that. However, now there was some good things, and and I don't mean this in a, a good good things as far as death and grief and bereavement goes, but we we seemed to turn a corner. I remember in December one of the people came into the office and said, did you have you listen that uh, 16 babies and uh, our 20 babies and and six teachers uh, were had been massacred at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, uh, Connecticut. And it was, right at the christmas time right smack at christmas and um and i remember sitting there and i thought to myself you know this is just you know when words fail people turn to rituals and uh so i decided and we had like three days to do this i think i think correct me if i'm wrong the shooting happened on the 16th of december now by you know a weekend a week later it's christmas or uh, so we planned a little mem- we thought a little memorial service um, for that friday right so the 16th it happened 17th 18th and we were going to run this little service uh, at the east side funeral home on friday it was a very simple um simple thing. Uh, We walked across the street, we had good relations with the uh, pew florist over there. We got 20 uh, white roses and we got six red roses to represent the teachers. We set up a memorial table and uh, I remember uh, I had seen uh, sometime before, I had seen the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints give a talk. And it was after a hurricane that had hit the tropics and they had sent a bunch of Mormon missionaries down there to help. And, they, he, and he was telling this story about this young girl, little girl, and that she was stuck on a mattress and the water was up at the second floor lapping on her and that he had heard about this and he said in this talk, he said, I must remind myself to send her some candy. So she's reminded that there are still sweet things in life. And so when we ran this memorial service, I went out and bought a bag of peppermints and everybody that came in got a peppermint and they looked at us like we'd lost our minds. Why are you giving us a peppermint? I said, you know, don't eat the peppermint. When I started the program, just hang on to it. And then at the end of it, I said, and now let's eat our peppermint. And even in this midst of this catastrophic evil of 20 babies being shot and six teachers, you know, I said, this reminds us that there are still sweet things in life. And you could just see the impact uh, that that had. And, and I'm not telling that to brag or to be boisterous uh, because that night, um, only with about 36 hours of preparation, we had both mayors, we had the TV stations at that funeral home. And, and so in, and the mayor of Shelby County, Mark Luttrell, who became a good friend of mine, and then the mayor of Memphis, A.C. Wharton, both showed up for it. Uh, the TV cameras were there. And so finally, I guess the point of this in, this lengthy epistle, finally, Forest Hill was not getting bomb threats. Forest Hill was now being put on Memphis television that we were doing something to help alleviate the misery that was created across this country on that dastardly um, murder of those innocent people in Sandy Hook. And so uh, as tough as Forrest Hill was and as, as um, uh, rigorous as the effort was to try to turn the corner on it, I don't know if we'd ever really turn the corner on it, but there were experiences. Uh, you know, it's one thing to take over a funeral home that's got a bunch of money in the bank and everybody's happy and the thing ever all the bills are being paid. But I found um, in my life the one the, the the career experience where I learned literally learned the most about our beloved profession was when I started to teach embalming at the Cincinnati College of Mortuary Science, I thought I knew something about embalming, but I was wrong as I could have been until I started to teach it and the cases that Cincinnati had. And then the second major learning experience was the time at Forest Hill. Uh, I literally had to take And I did it. And and I'm happy to say it worked. I took all of the material that I'd been teaching for decades at the ICCFA University, and I I immediately applied it to Forest Hill. And I wonder sometimes, you know, I wasn't totally successful. In fact, I don't think I've ever been totally successful at anything. But that management system that we put in salvaged the uh, reputation of that company along with the work of some very very fine uh human beings and um so i was down there uh about four years in memphis and and i i did i liked memphis very much i liked the city i got i got i got put on the salvation army Board of Directors, and I got put on the Memphis Fire Department Museum, which I thoroughly enjoyed. There's nothing more than I enjoy the fire department history. Um, And um, I got put on the Shelby County Historical Commission, uh, which was interesting, right? Uh, Because we talked about putting plaques up and, and we had all these historic events and things. And so at the time, um, I was, um, wasn't uh, feeling particularly well. And so in the middle of this, uh, we decided uh, to make a move. And I called um, uh, Steve Spann at John A. Gupton College in Nashville. And I, I simply I asked him on the telephone. I said, uh, do you see any possibilities of me um, uh, joining forces down in Nashville and, um, boom, it was done. Um, and so, seven years ago I came to Nashville and, and then, and so it, it was crazy was I came here in April or I came in May. And by July, I was having open heart surgery, right? That was one of the reasons I wasn't feeling particularly well. Um, but I've really, I have to say that, um, I am blessed to be working again in funeral service education and I don't want to sound overly dramatic, but a couple of the best years of my life was when I was a student in mortuary school, uh, because I literally was fascinated by everything I got from all of them. And I have already told you about running into Dr. Edgar N. Jackson, uh, which fellow changed my life. I'm not in any way claiming that I would have the, uh, the, the talent, such as he did, to change people's lives. But I have to say, I thoroughly enjoy the students, not all of them. Right. I have to be candid. There's a couple of them that I, I life would be less stressful. Right. Right. But the majority and I'll tell you why I like them. I like them because they remind me of me. You know, I've never forgotten. I've never forgotten uh, being told I'm a loser and being told I would never get through mortuary school. That's been a constant companion with me. Uh, my entire life. I'm never going to get rid of, I'm 70 years old. Uh, You know, this is part of my DNA. And so when I see these young people uh, and, and some of them are in their fifties, but I call them young because they're baby undertakers. Right. And they'll brag about embalming a body and they'll tell me that they got to drive the hearse and, and, and they'll talk, about and and, you know they'll they'll give me hypothetical situations about what would you say to a family uh that has this have and i just i just thoroughly enjoy it i i'm very blessed that at 70 years old i wake up every morning and i absolutely can't wait to get down to work uh, so that i can uh participate in Okay, well, let me put it this way. I feel that I'm really participating in the future of the funeral profession because the future of this profession is not predicated on Todd Van Beck. I'm the past. I've had 54 years in it. the The, the future of the funeral profession is predicated on every breath that's taken by the people that's in this building, and uh, yesterday. I gave a lecture on the meaning of the Jewish funeral, um, which is one of my favorite topics, right? Because that is such a beautiful uh, funeral ritual, and it's just fraught with ancient wisdom over the centuries and the millennial time, you know, 5,000 years, uh, this funeral has basically been unchanged, particularly in Orthodox Judaism. And you know, uh, Rob, um, you know, sometimes students start to doodle. Uh, sometimes they fall asleep. Uh, sometimes they, you know, have to go to the bathroom. They get, and I'll tell you yesterday, we had a rapt audience on that Jewish funeral stuff. And then uh, 500 questions came flying as to how did how does this happen and you know what impressed me was nobody said we don't do any jewish funerals at our funeral hall uh, and i and i i know damn good and well some of them will never do a jewish funeral right never In tiny rock uh georgia where they're coming from it wasn't the issue of the utility of the information it was the issue of the purpose the value purpose and meaning of the funeral ritual, which has been um, a devoted mission in my life uh, for a, a long, long, long time. So, anyway, John A. Gupton uh, has been a, a great uh, work experience, and also there's wonderful people uh, that work within this building, also that uh, I want to give uh, credit to. But the students are the the students are the DNA. You know, I think sometimes if I could just add one more thought, I think funeral directors are too are awfully hard on themselves at times. Um, I I see a negativity at times in the funeral profession. Innocently, I think people unwittingly fall into the negative uh, because there's a bunch of stuff that has gone on that you know I I didn't like it. It isn't you know what I thought was going to happen, but I remember. Uh, Before the COVID thing, I went to a district funeral directors meeting and there was a group of funeral directors in a huddle and they were very eloquent about what they didn't like and what was going on in their town. And the one guy had a clergy person in town that was giving him fits. And the other person had a cemetery and that he didn't like. And the other person had floors that was giving dead flowers out. And then they started talking about how difficult families are and that this family wanted to argue and, and they wanted to fight and all of this. And and but it, you know, and all of it was true, right? I mean, all I mean I could relate to every word they were all saying. But finally one of them said, well we've done it to ourselves he he said if we had been doing our job properly none of this stuff would have happened you know the abbreviated funeral uh people uh you know uh, not buying caskets uh, not embalming bodies he said if we'd been doing our job right none of this we <coughs> we're, we're our own worst enemies and I have to tell you, I just stopped. I, I, I did. I said, friend, I couldn't disagree with you more. I, and he looked at me, you know, and I said, I could not disagree with you more. With all due respect, friend. I said, I don't know of a group of men or women that I've ever encountered that work as hard and as diligently in the vineyard of service than the typical, average, normal, run-of-the-mill funeral director they really they they really do a damn good job in all these communities across north america even the funeral directors that might not have the most beautiful funeral home and they might not be driving the brand new hearse and all of this stuff what i found in my career And I learned this from Al Marsh up in Boston. Was if you're likable, right? People are going to not be too concerned about what kind of vases you have in the funeral, and 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 so I say that with a pure, a good intention, uh, to compliment our brothers and sisters in funeral service, uh, because they they do a re- remarkable job and many of them are up against some stiff situations on uh, death and bereavement and mourning in their towns. So, so, so that's, that's where I'm at right now, Rob.
0: Well, Todd, what a, what a way to bring us up to present day. Again, sharing those stories. You're, you always leave people feeling better about themselves and why, why we do what we do. And that's a, your little story there is, I, is true because I'm sure lots of people think that we, you know, we could have done better. But as you know, and as the people who are listening know, there's not many vocations, industries, professions out there, maybe a couple. But, you know, when that phone rings at three o'clock in the morning, uh, people get up and... their best on and go out and help that family at a very difficult time and uh, i know there's some marketing strategists business strategists out there saying that part of it part of the biggest thing about business is is just showing up and i think funeral professionals they show up and i know what it's like todd with all the things that we've done together in the last almost 20 years uh you always show up you i i you are not mincing words when you say you get up and you can't wait to get to work because i'll say when are we going to record well let's do it on let's do it on the weekend i'll be down at the office and um you're you're never talking about i need a day off or i need a vacation and you give yourself a very hard time about um maybe not being successful in in funeral service todd but i you know Humbly, you've you've got that wrong, and and as you are able to touch so many students across the hall from your office there, I've been in the, your lecture room. Part of the reason why we're doing this is that we can take your message and and spread it out past the walls there of Gupton and and to the hopefully to the ears of many. Current and future funeral professionals. So, this uh, this journey. It's it's sad, Todd, that it it sounds almost like it's coming to an end because we're here at, at we we caught up to present day, but we'll continue on. We've, we'll provide a little bit of a uh, a regroup, but we're not we're we're obviously not saying goodbye. So anyway, I don't know I don't know the effect that our our time together will have going forward, but our one on one time is is just a complete treasure that I will always, uh, cherish. So thanks for this opportunity, Todd.
1: Well, thank you, Rob, because you're the, uh, you're the creative force behind all this. And I, I, I am very appreciative of this opportunity. Thank you. You bet. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Yes, sir.